My name is David Donaldson. I'm here c covering for Dr. Susan Blank with Detailing Addictions, um, and I'm also here with Michael Daly. I am the CEO of the Atlanta Healing Center and an addictionologist, and Michael is the CFO and also a proud member of the recovering community and regularly um, has to deal with many of the family members in, um, of the of the clients of the Atlanta Healing Center. And so we thought we, with Dr. Blank being out today, we thought we would take some time and talk about um, the importance of family members in in the recovery process, um, how how their involvement, their learning about the disease of addiction, their learning about how the disease has impacted them, and and about. Um, things that they can do to either contribute to the recovery process or hinder the recovery process um, are, are very, very crucial. Um, and, and so, Michael, hi, thank you. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, you tend to be the first encounter for, for people that are calling the office. And, and one of the things that, that we tend to experience when family members first call is, is that they're looking for help and they're looking for a lot of answers. Um, um, but they don't necessarily know what the the problem is in terms of is this addiction, is this depression, is this just an unruly child? What what? How do you deal with them in that process? Well, generally, uh, the loved one calls calls Atlanta Healing Center, and then I get to talk to them um, before we make an appointment. They give me a rundown of what's been happening and what's what's um, initiating them to make the call for that loved one. Um, Many times it'll be depression, it'll be something other than addiction, and as we talk, um, things like, well, he's, he got a DUI, or he got caught with um, a small amount of marijuana, or something that has triggered this kind of crisis. Um, and so, in that respect, they're being helpful by making that call, but it's after they get involved at the Atlanta Healing Center that is crucial that, that we help them stop helping. Um, helping when they need to so the person is able to get to a point of recovery, but then backing off. Um, and, and so part of what we do is is invite all of the family members to come to a weekly family education time period. Um and, and follow that with a time period for them to be able to check in and discuss their feelings, their issues, ask questions in a time where they're where they're with other family members. Um, the first part, though, the education period, um, initially it focuses on what is addiction, helping family members and patients to to really understand um, the disease of addiction, that it is a disease, that it's a it's a disease of the pleasure pain pain center the reward center of our brain and and that it's a progressive disease um real often family members will will want this to be some other situation they'll they'll mm -hmm. say well maybe they're drinking this much because of depression or because of stress or because of um, um anxiety. anxiety that's going on and and so part of the education is really helping them to understand that this is a primary disease um, and primary meaning it's got to be taken care of and addressed first. Um, they might have major depression issues. They might have major stress issues. They might have anxiety issues. But taking care of those things isn't going to make the addiction go away. Correct. Because uh, many times, as I said, they'll call and they'll talk about, well, 
this person is depressed or this person gets very anxious and this person is uh, uh, is using alcohol as a you know as a means to cope with something and and they just so happen to have gotten in trouble and so then we have to kind of back up and say okay let's look at this because maybe addiction is the big a and the problems that they're experiencing are the um the symptoms of the, that. the other symptoms exactly um and so we talk about what is addiction. Um, we've talked about it's it's a disease of the of the reward center of the brain. Some people describe it as um, as the loss of the ability to have a casual relationship with um, alcohol or drugs, um, and and that kind of speaks to the idea that they they no longer can predictably say, "Hey, I'm gonna just go have one beer," or "I'm gonna just go do um, a little bit of something, and I'll be back, and I'll be fine." Um, real often, addicts will say, "I can just have one beer, and, it, and it's no big deal." But but the reality is that when it's moved to the state of the disease, they really can't predictably have that that casual relationship with it. Right. The the second piece that's so crucial is that when they're continuing to use after they've had significant consequences. That's like the the real diagnostic piece where where the consequences, um, a second DUI, a breakup of a family, a loss of a job, are not um, being connected with the idea that the the use of substances is creating that problem and and I've got to stop the problem the substances if I want to get better and and family members will get kind of wrapped up in the same denial as well do you tend to experience that denial coming from family members when you're talking to them absolutely because um, as I said many times they they call at this crisis period um, and then as we talk and I find out a little bit of history or past history there's been there's been signs quite often along the way that um all of a sudden you know they're they're not being able to pay their bills or they're not um going to school or they're getting failing grades in school or they're you know there's things that are happening along the way that are pretty significant flags and they tend to kind of sweep those aside or or try to cover those up and then something bad like the law steps in or the DUI or the possession charge or they lose the job or they flunk out of school you know and and real often the experience that you end up having to deal with I, I often hear hear the phone calls and, and hear the conversations is more of them trying to find ways to make these consequences go away exactly if my loved one comes there and they do that will you be able to write a letter to the court and get them out of these troubles or can I get some medication that's going to make all of this anxiety go away and then they'll be fine. Something that's going to take away the symptoms and not really fix the problem. And I tell them, you know, we'll address this and try to help mitigate some of this, some of the um, consequences, but they need treatment. And so the main focus here is to get them the treatment that they need. That's the primary purpose for them being with us. So our our initial focus is really helping patients and family members recognize that this is a disease and that it's a progressive disease. It gets worse and worse spiritually, emotionally, socially. It's a chronic disease in the sense that it lasts a long, long time um, and that the consequences get worse and worse. When when they're kind of on board with that, then, then we like to also begin helping family members look at how 
how they've been um, impacted by the disease of addiction um, and looking at what are, are some of the dynamics that have happened within the household that's setting up um, um, the chaos and the situations that have led to this place. Um, in, in the family group, um, the experience tends to be people beginning to finally share, having a safe place to share their stories. And they'll talk about the, the chaos that's happened. They'll talk about the lying. They'll talk about the um, anxiety related to financial insecurity, related to um, uncertainty about who's calling, who's coming, where where friends are going or where the where the loved one are going when they leave the house and the, this whole anxiety that tends to envelop each of the members of the of the family um um and and dealing with that each of the members of the family begins developing their own ways of coping with that some some people will just zone out with the television some will um start eating and start coping with the the emotions of all that stress by by using food to to manage it um typically there's one classic enabler um in the family that their job is to uh keep the family functioning and keep the family above water um, they often will take a second job if necessary to help pay bills they'll make all of the phone calls make all the appointments um, they'll they'll be a responsible party because the the person with addictions responsibility ability to be responsible is getting worse and worse typically this is the person that you're talking to on that first phone call absolutely yeah the the person that I talk to is the person that's trying to stay a step ahead of whatever the consequence is are they are they tend receptive initially when you're pushing them to come to the family program or be involved with all of that well it's interesting because once we once we enroll the person sort of into the program and we sit down and make a schedule and and then I go over the fact that they they're basically required to come to the family group and we strongly suggest that their uh loved one comes to the family group um at first the addict does not want that and i have to try to educate them that the more a person's loved one and and family members find out about the disease of addiction the better the communication the better the relationship is and so by by them having the family member participate it certainly makes it um easier on them so their recovery gets easier they um they believe you when you when you are encouraged them to invite their family members do they tend to to jump on that or are they kind of resistant to well, that initially well they're kind initially? of resistant um one thing that helps is when i explain to them that the first hour everyone is in the same group and it's education period and then there's a break and then the second hour the family members go into one process group and the patients go into another process group that are totally separate um that you know it's it's there's complete anonymity as far as what's being said what's what's being talked about um and that lessens their their fears a lot and and definitely confidentiality between the two rooms that exactly. both rooms are a safe place for for patients to talk about what's going on and for family members to talk about the their experience in their house this is t- a time period that that patients really wish they could have a glass to the wall and hearing what's going on because they're absolutely certain that that they are um they're being um 
talked about and and um they would also want to protect the family members from learning too much because because it might hinder the future ability to use attempt to use casually yes absolutely um but when family members are present what's what's the emphasis is beginning to help them to recognize their enabling behaviors and and the emphasis isn't that you've been a bad parent or you've been a bad spouse or you've done anything wrong because because what we know is that everything that's being done is being done to kind of help the family system stay afloat to keep um, homeostasis balance within the family um, and and to um, meet the the needs of each of the family members of society and everything that's going on so the the person who's in that enabling role is is really desperately trying to keep their head afloat um, but it's 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 a position that tends to be motivated by love by caring by by fear of um, what's going to happen if I don't manage all of these situations the, the the motivation for enabling is never a destructive motivation um, and, and it's never something that someone needs to feel guilty about um, but it's also something that they have to start learning to recognize we are going to take our first break and, and when we come back we're going to continue to look at what are some of the enabling behaviors that family members use and what they bring into the treatment experience we'll be right back The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. 
More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hi, I'm David Donaldson. Think, welcome back to Detailing Addictions. I'm sitting in for Dr. Susan Blank today, and I'm here with Michael Daly. And we are talking about um, the importance of family involvement in the addiction recovery process. If you have questions or further um, um, need for information, you can see our website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com, or you can call us at 770-696-9862. So before the break, we were beginning to talk about types of enabling behaviors that families family members will find themselves in. Um, some of the classics are lending money, um, paying off uh, debt that somebody's gotten into because of the uh, reckless behaviors related to the using or drinking, um, paying for legal fees, bailing people out of jail. Those, those are some of the, like, the big ones that come to mind. Uh, some of the others that we experience are... Um, not speaking up and, and and tolerating when when you know somebody is lying to you and you just listen to the lie and you accept that as as the truth and you're giving the message that that's the truth or not speaking up and expressing how someone's behavior is actually impacting you that that silence is actually a, a really classic way of enabling a situation um going ahead and denying the addiction to other people, um, finding yourself actually lying about the addiction when it's coming up in other situations. Or, for example, if you're invited to um, Memorial Day picnic or Fourth of July picnic and instead of um, accepting the invitation because you're embarrassed about what's going to happen if your family member's there and they start drinking, you'll make an excuse not to be able to go to that function so as to protect um, um, your family member as well as the family image. Right. Um, are there are there others that come to mind in terms of what you end up dealing with? Well, many times what what we deal with is is the excuse making and the little um, minimization of of whatever is happening prior to it. So they just want to minimize things and and try to. make it seem like this just came out of the blue really when when there were several things that had happened along the way yeah that really is a, pr- a pretty common thing that when they do make the phone call and, and they're talking about a situation the DUI just happened or the the divorce situation has just come up and it's not mm-hmm. something that's been building for right. quite a while and and then the more that i participate in the family group and and sit in with you on the family group um, the more I see that that parents and loved ones along the way really understand that this is happening, but they just don't know how to stop it, and they don't many times know how to stop themselves from from helping somebody. You know, um, trying to help somebody understand that they have to draw a line or that they have to set a a limit that they can live with and actually keep is is a really 
hard thing to do. They get they get into their own what if trap. If I don't get in there and handle this situation, what's going to happen? If I don't do this, are they going to get a DUI? Or is there is defects going to get involved? And our children going to be taken away? Um, if I don't allow them to drink at the house, are they going to start drinking somewhere else? And then I'll be out of I, I won't have any ability to control the situation. So that really huge what if kind of keeps the enabling behaviors going and kind of keeps them trapped. Real often, um, they'll they'll neglect taking care of themselves completely because they're spending so much time and energy taking care of, of their loved one. Well, and that that's what's so interesting is is the fact that you start to see these family members and myself being part of the recovery community by participating in, in, in my own addiction, I had no idea what the kind of um, wrath that I had created. created. Um, and now, sitting in on a, on a, a, a group for the, the family, I see the suffering that people go through and that they've with, withstood. Not only had they had to make all these excuses and try to minimize things, but in their own personal health, they've given up everything because of the worry, the stress, the 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 not sleeping, you know. Part of what we try to help family members recognize is that they have very, very clear um, memories of absolutely every single event that happened. Because when they're in the midst of this this very very stressful situation they're experiencing a stress response that is is making them just keep keep detailed notes in their brain of everything that was going on related to um the the drinking or using situation to try try to create a, a sense of safety solving. problem solving absolutely right. so they're in the they're in the the fight mode they're in the in the, I'm going to take control. I'm going to um, stop this. I'm going to um, save that. I'm going to. I see this coming, and I'm going to, you know, get it mitigated before it happens. With the real intensity, I've, I'm going to save this situation so that my family member doesn't die. Right. And the problem is, the the patient or the addict half the time doesn't even realize these situations have have occurred. Um, they have no recollection of what created this because they've been under the influence. To they've the been point of, inebriated, yes. or they've been on some medication that stops them from having any sort of memories. Benzodiazepine is going to block the memories totally and, and not permit the storage of memories. Alcohol is going to brown out the memories, so they might have some vague m- memory that they did something they shouldn't have, but but not anything in any detail. And and even though for an addict who's addicted to opiates initially they might get more energy and they might get more charge as the addiction progresses they're getting to a point where they're just nodding out and they're not aware of what's going on in their world any longer so they don't have the solid memories that family members are waiting for and their experience at this stage is that they think their family members are crazy right or they think that they've they've over exaggerated or they've blown things out of proportion that um you know their behavior wasn't as bad as what everyone says it was and and the family member it's magnified mm-hmm. 
and the truth is probably somewhere in between that but both of them have got to get to a place where they're able to communicate and talk about what the reality was because one is saying it was the worst and the other is saying it was no big deal and and the two are not communicating at all right um when the when the the addict is in groups and they're in a, a place where they're processing what's going on part of the education and the experience they're getting from other members and from the the therapist is your behaviors when you were under your your addiction has caused your family members to become like this and to get um what seems to be crazy um erratic and and out of control behavior but for them it was survival behavior right and 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 there's a certain amount of mistrust i mean there's quite a bit of mistrust in the beginning because the family member is hopeful that things are going well but they've been hopeful hundreds of times before and things always ended up going south um so this time maybe it's it's real and it takes it takes time for for people to heal and for that trust to be re-earned, I guess. Um, redeveloped by, by patients and family members doing what they say they're going to do. Um, what's What's been so interesting, though, is for family members to begin hearing from other family members and and processing it that their expectations in the first month of recovery just aren't um, um, reasonable. Right. Because what family members are listening for is for their loved one to say, I'm sorry, or for their loved one to take responsibility for their actions um, and and to be grateful for all that the family member is doing. And and they're, they're sitting back thinking, okay, if they're really in recovery, then when are they going to come to me and tell me that I'm the best person that's ever been in their life and I've saved their life and they're so grateful I'm here? And and they also want it in, in record time um it you know we have to educate people that addiction is a disease it's a progressive disease but recovery is also progressive and um it gets better with time and many people think well my gosh you know they've been here for six weeks they haven't drank or they haven't used and they should be fixed. but And that progressive process, the healing that's going on, is very, very physical initially. So their brain is, is actually healing and, and um, developing the capacity to have remorse that's been gone for, a, for quite a while if, they're, if they've been in their addiction. Right. And, and I think that's what's so important um, at the Atlanta Healing Center is that when, when the education happens, there's, there's a from start to finish of education that they go through, you know, the beginning stages of, of recovery, the the healing that happens within the brain, the physiological things that happen, as well as the emotional. And we kind of put it out in, in, in a sequence of time so that people learn about all these various things. Um, and at the Atlanta Healing Center, they, we do a lot of things to help um, improve the process and to speed up the process using neurofeedback, using supplements to improve their their um, nutritional balance and their hormonal balance. But nonetheless, it still takes the time it takes to recover. You can't plant a seed and expect that you're going to have a tree overnight, that it's going to take um months if not years for that tree to become there and solid um part of 
this whole process that though is beginning and stopping and looking at some of the bottom line behaviors that family members have got to just decide okay these are some bottom lines I'm not going to cross any longer because I love you and I don't want to keep feeding into the addiction I want to help foster and enable your recovery process so some of the the bottom lines that um, that we talk about people um, beginning to draw for themselves that have worked for others are, do you want to list some of those um, well some of the bottom lines are you know making a decision to not support the addict um, they've they've many times paid for the treatment they're paying for a lot of the living expenses as they're going along but at some point the the addict has to take responsibility for themselves and start to provide for themselves and we help them understand that you can't just cut somebody off you have to kind of work into it and and they have to ease into it but they do have to make a bottom line well and in particular with the awareness that we're working with adults in an adult program um so as adults there is a point that they are expected to begin getting a job and and working and earning um part of their keep we're going to take another break when we return we're going to continue through looking at some of these bottom lines and moving on into the recovery process Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine 
understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hi, I'm David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, and I'm here covering for Dr. Susan Blink on detailing addictions on America's Web Radio. I'm here with Michael Daly, also from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we are talking about the importance of family involvement in the recovery process. Um, we were just looking at um, bottom lines that that we encourage family members to come to when they're at a point of no longer being willing to con- to feed the addiction, um, we often talk about you have to. You're not setting a bottom line as manipulation. That when you set a bottom line, you're setting a bottom line that you can live with. Um, so many people have had the experience of talking to someone about their loved one's addiction, and they're just told, "Well, you've got to throw throw them out. You can't live with them." It's almost shaming um, of the of the family member if you are allowing them to stay in your house and and becomes like a reversal of shame that you're not taking a really firm limit with these people um but the reality is you have to live with the consequence of whatever bottom line you're creating right so we're not at a say a point of saying kick them out of the house unless you're at a point of saying i'm ready to kick them out of the house but there are a lot of bottom lines before that point that you have the ability to to put in place um there were there were some more that you were looking at well I was I was kind of looking at um, the fact that you have to allow your loved one to see some of the damage that they've caused, and and that it was a direct action, you know, it was directly r- related to their action, and and by not bailing them out, sometimes they get to actually experience it. Um, you know, the thing of of not covering bills that are necessary. You know, um, maybe. You live in the same house, so it's important to pay the lights and pay the whatever, but you don't have to pay for their telephone. You don't have to pay for their insurance. You don't have to pay for their health insurance, especially if they're doing something that's that's unhealthy. Um, you know, there are certain things that you have to maintain to keep your lifestyle normal, quote-unquote, and, and, and still being a productive citizen and enjoying life Mm -hmm. and and many times we have to teach people how to start taking care of themselves just like taking 10 minutes to have a bath and 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 just chill out you know right right because real often the the enabling behavior is to just stop living your own life to to cancel um events that you would like to go to because you feel like you have to stay home and and make sure that your loved one is safe because many times the addict or the alcoholic, um, as the disease progresses, they get very introverted and they isolate. And it's kind of interesting because as, as the person that is the addict or, or re- alcoholic um, starts to recover, we have to help them understand that they can't no longer isolate, that they have to get out there, they have to meet people, they have to start getting a support system. But it's the same for family members because um, in the end stages of the disease, the family members also isolate. And then they find themselves, they don't even know who they are. They don't have any outside interests. They, they've lost all their friends. They've lost 
they um, they've gotten to a point where we when you ask them what would you like to do or what do you want to be when you um, grow up that those kind of questions become too threatening because they haven't taken time to think about themselves or, or to validate any of their own wants in quite quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a big part of looking at addiction, as we talked about earlier, is that the second piece, continued use despite serious consequences. And if a family member is constantly in there bailing someone out of those serious consequences, then they're getting in the way of that person actually reaching their bottom. Because if they don't experience the, the impact of a consequence, then it wasn't impactful. Right. Um, and many times in, in recovery, we know that, that um, especially in early recovery, sometimes you have a slip or you have a relapse. And um, that's when it get, gets kind of iffy because maybe a person has come to us because of their opiate addiction. But they've, they've used marijuana casually. And then they give up the opiate addiction, but they slip on marijuana. Um, in their mind, that's that's something that that is a step in the right direction but in in our minds we have to help them understand that using something like marijuana like alcohol even though you're not that's not your primary drug will lead you back to that has a, has a potential to take you back into addiction because it's hitting the exact same part of your brain the the pleasure pain center of your brain that responds to alcohol also responds to benzos and responds to marijuana and responds to opiates and so if you if you no longer have a safe ability to predict what's going to happen when you drink then you don't really have the safe predictability with the other substance as well correct and and so Helping somebody, helping a loved one understand that maybe their boundary is if you smoke pot or if we don't see that number going down, then you have to leave my house or you have to make different living arrangements because I don't want to watch you continue doing that and um, knowing that it's going to lead to something. Part of another part of why that education is so important is that I think for many family members with with this current epidemic of opiate addiction that we have going on, where where young people have gotten to opiates so quickly, family members have a hard time seeing that other substances are are part of the addictive problem. Right. And so family members actually will be okay with with them continuing to drink beer as long as they don't get out of control or they're drinking at home and they're being responsible with it. Family members don't have the the warning sign going off that this is dangerous behavior. And and even will will um, encourage or offer people offer to buy a drink or something because they're not they're not doing opiates, so it's not the same thing. Right. And Currently, just you know, if you if you watch the news or, or are on the internet at all, you see that um, the legalization and and the use of marijuana has has become a very um, newsworthy thing, which almost makes people think, well, marijuana is not a drug. You know, it, it it's not addictive. It's not this. It's not that. And and the truth of the matter is that for a person with addiction, it's it's just another thing that's going to lead them down the path. I actually was looking at some um, um, reports about marijuana, and they were talking about for medical marijuana, the, the number one reason it's prescribed is for chronic pain. 
The second reason marijuana is being prescribed for people is for treatment of um, mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, um, and stress relief. All the things that we know are symptoms of somebody who is in the midst of, who's gotten marijuana dependency, and we know marijuana has an equal dependency to, to alcohol, about 10%. For that 10%, those are the withdrawal symptoms that somebody's going to experience right. when they're, when they're on marijuana and they can't get to it or they're running out or they're they're um, stopping it for whatever reason, they're going to have those same symptoms. So we're giving a substance that's going to create for many, many people the symptoms that they're trying to cover up with the substance. Correct. Um, and, and one of the other bottom lines that I feel like we really, really need to get to, or one of the enabling behaviors and bottom lines, is is something that we often still see in recovery. Um, the enabling behavior is to continue to engage in nagging and arguing with somebody who's in active addiction. Um, the in the person that's doing the arguing and the and the nagging thinks that they're going to find the perfect phrase or the perfect word that's going to make the other person wake up and they're going to be able to to realize oh you're right i really do need to stop drinking because i've just never ever thought about it that way but but now that you've said it that way i get it and so the family member will keep on nagging or rephrasing a situation to try and help that person wake up and and so the bottom line is I'm going to quit engaging in useless arguments with you. If you're going to keep drinking, you want to come pick a fight, then go fight with the wall because I'm not going to talk to you while you're while right. you're drinking. And that's the that's one of those hard steps that, that the family member has to learn to do um, to walk away, to go to a movie, to go read a book, to go engage themselves in something other than that person that is is the addict or or and yet. That in and of itself can be one of the the most powerful actions a person can take. Uh, when when someone in addiction is trying to get you to argue with them and to keep the take the responsibility and the heat off of the addiction by putting it into the argument, and you're you're able to just say, you know what, I love you, but I'm going to go take a bath and I'm going to see you tomorrow. It's it's a stopper. It is. It's it it it's baffling to the to to us addicts and alcoholics. And it's one that's hard to let go of in the recovery process because once somebody has stopped using and they're going to recovery, then the family member takes the next step to think, okay, now it's time to start nagging about getting a job or getting your hair cut or um, making your bed or nagging about what time you wake up. And, and so um, the, the behavior stays the same. Mm-hmm. And what we know is that if behaviors stay the same, then the, the outcome is going to stay the same. Right. Um, it's it's really important that the family members find a support system, and you know it's it's obvious at at our Wednesday night family group when members members of the family continue coming to the Atlanta Healing Center for you know months and and even years after their loved one has has um, gotten into recovery and is active in their recovery, and and the family members will continue to come and be supportive for other newcomers. Um, and it's it's one of those things where um, it's kind of funny to see a person that their loved one was with us three years ago, and they say, you know, I had a little relapse um, of codependency, and I'm back to get recharged here. You know, get reminded about the the same recovery process that is being um, taught 
to the new people and to be able to help them see that it really, really does help their lives and their family members' lives get much, much better. Great. Are there any other bottom lines that come to mind for you? Um, I guess I guess when you when you kind of go down the list of um, you know allowing them to see the damage, um, not bailing them out of jail or bailing them out of whatever the trouble is, um, not paying their bills if if they're not responsible enough to take care of them and they're using their money for other things, um, and continuing or not continuing the useless arguments, um, and then don't make threats that you're not a hundred percent willing to back up that you're not ready to keep we are going to take one more break and when we come back we will go on into the recovery process with family members and and people in early recovery thank you and we'll be right back perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction if not you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hi, my name is David Donaldson. I am here today covering for Dr. Susan Blank with Detailing Addictions on America's Web Radio. For further information about us at the Atlanta Healing Center, you can 
go to www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com or you can call 770-696-9862. I'm here today with Michael Daly, and we are talking about the importance of family involvement in the recovery process from addiction. This this last period, I thought we would spend some time talking about um about the importance of growing together as a family in the recovery process because what we've experienced um, witnessing in the 12-step community and in our experience with other people in recovery is that when families aren't involved in the recovery process, there's a higher likelihood of either relapse or divorce. Exactly. That mm -hmm. the recovery process really tends to encourage the, the person who's getting healthy to set hard, fast bottom lines, meaning divorce, with with the people who aren't getting involved, and and we've seen that happen a number of times. And and what we find at at the Atlanta Healing Center and other places that people are involved with the family program, that their opportunities to grow together as a family um, is greatly enriched. That's true. Um, in the beginning, when we talked to when we talked to the new people, uh, the new addicts or alcoholics, the patients. Um, we try to explain to them that it's really important that the family get involved, that it makes it much easier for them, and it ultimately is going to help both of them. Um, it's interesting to watch where a person that does make it through and is in the recovery process as the patient sooner or later gets to the point where they start to get resentful for the person that was the caretaker or the enabler and as they're growing to become responsible and and doing things for themselves they no longer find it necessary for this person to run after them or try to stay a step ahead of them and it causes a rift but it's interesting to see the difference then when the person that's in recovery is 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 growing and the the family members that are active at, in the recovery process, they start to grow themselves. And the two together become like a bond or a team for the family members. They, um, they have the potential to, to really become pretty dynamic in their relationship with each other and, and their, their ability to, to be healthy parents, connected parents in the, in the families they're raising and, and with their communities. Um, what we've noticed is that they, they'll, because because addiction is a disease that does, that does have relapses, whether we're talking about chemical dependency or codependency, when families have gotten involved in the recovery process and patients are involved in the recovery process, if a relapse happens happens to happen, it doesn't have to destroy everything. It can be very short lived. They can be caught. A relapse can be caught before it becomes. Um, devastating and, and people can regain their recovery process pretty quickly right and move forward and move forward and and if both both sets the recovering and and the person that's that's the helpful or the loved one continues on and moves forward with with um, positive energy it it, it it just becomes a thing that happened, and let's move forward. Whereas what we've seen when somebody who's who's gotten into recovery and they've done pretty well in the recovery and they've just stayed with their spouse, but their spouse hasn't gotten involved in the recovery process, or they stay connected to their parents, but their parents haven't really learned about recovery, if they have a relapse, then the family member is flooded with all of the memories from the past, and, and their immediate reaction is, 
this recovery didn't work. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You need to go away for a year. Um, and, and they immediately want to jump to um, the most intensive uh, reaction possible rather than being able to recognize, oops, we've got to get back on track right now and, and take care of the situation. Right. Um, the the person that's that's the family members that are that are doing the healing and and that are really active in their recovery as well learn how to deal with that and move forward and by learning how to take care of themselves that becomes less and less important it's important because they're moving together but if there is a relapse it's it's not on them Right, right. It's not their responsibility. It's not their responsibility. They know that they have to move forward, and then they they go from there. And they've also developed a common language at this point to be able to talk about it in, in a, a way that's able to be heard and respected and listened to. A big emphasis that, that we place is that, that recovery requires people to move into adulthood when when. We're staying in in our addiction. Um, um, we tend to be using to escape stress, or to entertain, or to um, um, avoid things, and so we don't have to be responsible and grown up about about issues. And and as a part of the recovery process, we're learning to have fuller, more healthy relationships um, where we're able to focus on self care, knowing that our family members are also focusing on their own self care. Um, we're able to feel empathy towards each other and, and have an empathetic relationship and be able to communicate um, as adults. So relationships can become much more interdependent where, you know, I can rely on you to do what you need to do and you rely on me th- in the same way. Um, helping build the recovery as as well as um, regain a regular functioning normal life. Right. So... They start to face reality. They start to express their feelings. They um, are really realistic about themselves and others. Um, it's it's a form of letting go. They actually get to a place where they're able to let go because um, what we what we tend to experience in addiction is that you get stuck. You get stuck on focusing on the one time that. Um, um, I bailed you out, and right, right away you went and drank again as if you were just throwing that in my face, and they get stuck in that pay- place, and addicts will get stuck in the no matter how hard I try, you're still always nagging. And and the recovery process allows both of them to recognize that when I was in my addiction, I acted like an addict, and now that I'm in my recovery, I can be acting um, in a recovering mindset. Right. And, and part of taking the self-inventory looking for your part in the situation um, and if everyone does that they move forward they're both in recovery um, it's important to recognize that there's there's choices um, you know choices to be made and it's not something that just happens yeah I think that that part of what becomes um, integral is that they begin to recognize that they don't have to be responsible for each other's outcomes you know that that if you don't succeed it's not because i wasn't a good enough um spouse or because i wasn't a good enough parent you you had difficulties because 
you weren't working your program or you didn't utilize the steps that you were you were learning and you went back to an old behavior and now let's get back on track but it wasn't a result of i i no longer was taking care of your breakfast so you ended up having to go get drunk mm-hmm. and and that's true and and establishing balance and and um letting everyone deal with their own stuff like the alcoholic the addict has to deal with their things you have to deal with your own things um and being able to set plans but not predict the outcome so moving forward but if something doesn't turn out the way you hoped or expected it's not the end of the world. Yeah, to not have to be devastated by that loss of that or the outcome not coming out the way. It really the recovery process when when patients and family members are all involved together really allows people to finally start being able to be human beings with each other, meaning they're able to talk about what's going on with themselves, they're able to feel their feelings and and not have to worry that their feelings are inappropriate or their feelings are wrong. Um, and, and they're able to trust that they can express themselves and that they'll be heard and that, that it'll be validated, um, which is a real difference from when they were in the world of active addiction, um, when they were the, – the family rules that really dominate a household in addiction is don't talk about anything real, don't feel your feelings – if you want to feel a feeling, feel happiness, or else stay in your room. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and there's no trust. There's no place to earn trust. And, you know, many times they can't trust themselves and they can't trust others. So they just have completely lost their ability. And we try to help them regain that. Because they spend so much time really guessing at what is normal, they don't know necessarily what it takes to earn trust and build trust. And we know you do you build trust by doing what you say you're going to do. And so by talking and communicating and doing these groups and things together, you're having the opportunity to grow in a trusting relationship together. This has been Detailing Addictions. I'm David Donaldson and Michael Daly feeling in for Dr. Susan Blank, and she will hopefully be back with us next week. Have a great week. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.